Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. Man, I'm telling you, when you know that God's with you and you will not fear that God's with you, I'm telling you, you'll become bold and you, you'll do things that uh, just like will make people scratch their head and go, man, where'd that come from? That reminds me of a little story I heard of a little girl uh, who was sitting in her class one day and the teacher was teaching on animals and whales and the biology of whales and these things. And the teacher said, well, said... Um, just so you'll know, because some of you may be wondering, it's impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. And a little girl raised her hand, said, teacher, said, uh, disagree with you on that. Said, uh, the Bible says that a big fish, a whale, swallowed Jonah. And the teacher said, no, it's, it's scientifically impossible. That's not true. That didn't really happen. It's not it's not uh, real. It's just impossible for a whale to swallow a human being. The girl raised her hand again. Said, well, my preacher says the Bible's true. And uh, he preaches the Bible. And he said that that, that, that fish, that whale, uh, swallowed Jonah. And the teacher said, well, I don't care what your preacher said. Scientifically, it's impossible. A whale cannot swallow a human being. The girl raised her hand again. She said, well, I'm just going to tell you right now. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah... Did that whale really swallow him? The teacher, thinking herself to be smart, said, Well, let me ask you a question. What if uh, Jonah's in hell? Without missing a beat, the little girl said, Well, then you can ask him. <laughs> Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter number. I'm telling you, when you get Jesus, you get bold. Acts chapter 11. We're going to pick up where we left off before uh, Christmas. We were talking about... Living with biblical clarity. Living our lives with biblical clarity. And we just simply said this. As a born-again child of God, my life needs to be lived out with such clarity that it reflects the Word of God. I mean, if we really believe this is true, and we believe this is true, amen, then it needs to affect our lives. It needs to, we need to say, okay, well, here's the principle Let's appropriate that principle in our lives, and then let's flesh that principle out, right? I mean, that, that's really the goal, because look, as far as a pastor's concerned, my responsibility as the shepherd of this flock is, I, I'm just giving you the news. The Lord Jesus has given me what to, what to preach, and then I preach, I just read the news to you. Here's, here's the, the news today, and, and the headline today is, The Church God Blesses. That's the headline. The church, God blesses. And what's fascinating about this particular section of Scripture, or this chapter, is that it is a repeat of what has just previously been said. You see, before Christmas, we talked about, in chapter number 10, when Cornelius gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. I mean, changed him. And when you read that text, it is told through the lens of Luke's testimony under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to chapter 11, and we have this repeat. It, the story repeats itself. 
So really, it's a fascinating thing that happens in Scripture. God, in his sovereignty, speaks to Luke and says, Okay, I know you just told this story about Cornelius receiving Christ as Savior. Now I want you to repeat it, but I want you to repeat it through the eyes of Peter. And so in chapter 11, verses 1 through uh, verse 18, you have this repeat of Cornelius coming to know Christ as Savior. And here's the bottom line, because I don't want to read that section again, because we've already read it, and I've already preached a message on it. You can listen to the uh, Acts chapter 10 message concerning this, this text. But the bottom line is simply this. The whole, the whole reason why Peter went through that is so that he could be taught by God that God wants the nations to come to him. He wants the nations to be saved. You see, God doesn't care if you're from Africa. He doesn't care if you're from Europe. He doesn't care if you're from the United States. He doesn't care if you're from Australia. He doesn't care where you come from just as long as you come to him. The gospel is for every nation, not just the Jews, but to the Jews and the Gentiles. And so we see that in chapter number 11, repeated again. Why was it repeated? Well, because the Jews still didn't get it. In fact, when you look at chapter 11, you read verse number 1, the Bible says, And the apostles and their brethren that were uh, in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem... They that were of the circumcision contended with him. Now let me stop right there and say this parenthetically before we get to the primary text. These Jewish believers, now don't forget, these are Christians. These Jewish Christians did not like the fact that Gentiles were receiving Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And because of that, they came against Peter and said, Peter... We know you won Cornelius. We know you won him, but we want an explanation because Jesus is for us. And Peter just simply says, I thought the same thing, but I was wrong. Jesus is not for us Jews only. Jesus is for the world. And then they finally get it in the end, and they realize that, and they rejoice. Verse 18, look at what the Scripture says. When they heard the things that Peter said, verse 18, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So in the end, they said, Yes, we agree with you. We agree with you. And the whole time they're having this debate there in Jerusalem, Something is happening in Antioch that is absolutely amazing. Let me show you what's happening. Let's start in verse number 19. Follow along. If you have your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, whatever you have to write with, I want you to notice here in this text, there are five things that I'm going to point out. There are probably several more, but only five I have time to deal with. Uh, five things that this, these individuals are doing, this church is doing, and God is blessing them. See if you can pick them out before I give you the points. Here we go, beginning in verse number 19. Now, when they were scattered abroad under the persecution that arose about Stephen, and when it traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. So verse 19, let me just say it parenthetically if I could. Stephen's been stoned. The church has been scattered through persecution. 
A lot of Jews are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and are getting saved. That's very plain, verse 19. Verse 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So here's a transition. Here's a change. All of a sudden now, not only Jews are getting saved, but Gentiles are getting saved. And now these Gentiles, these non-Jewish national people, are now presenting the gospel to these other nations. And these other nations are getting saved as they listen to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ being proclaimed. And the scripture goes on in verse 22. Then the tidings, or, 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 then the tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. So now the Jewish church in Jerusalem hears them, and they send Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, when Barnabas came to Antioch, he seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart. They would cleave unto the Lord. He saw what was going on and goes, goes, wow, these folks have got Jesus. They are really born again. And he's encouraging them. Verse 24, because, or for, if you're reading the King James, because, or for, he was a good man. Barnabas was a good man. That is, he was the, he was the son of an encourager. He was an encouraging man. He loved people. And he was also full of the Holy Ghost. And he was full of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord because Barnabas was there. Verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Something happened in Barnabas' life. And he says, I need to go get some help. I'm going to go over here 100 miles to Tarsus. And I'm going to go see if I can find Saul. So he does. The Bible says in verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Isn't that interesting? Here we find the very first reference to this issue of Christians being used. Verse 27. And uh, in these days came prophets from Jerusalem and Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout the world. The word dearth means famine. So there's a great famine coming throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of of, uh, Claudius Caesar. So there was a time when this had happened. The Bible says, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief, that is, a missionary gift, a special offering, to the brethren which dwelt at Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Here we find a church that God has blessed. When I was growing up and uh, learning about church growth and all these different things, I went through a, a bunch of different uh, uh, schools where they had all these different strategies in order for you to grow a church. And I find it so fascinating these strategies um, change every year or every season. 
And I've heard these church gurus say, in order for you to grow a church, what you need to do is you need to just, first of all, you've got to study the demographics. You've got to find how many of this culture is in there. And you've got to find how many of that culture is in there. You've got to find how many households are in your region. And then you've got to find out what your average income is in that region. And you've got to do all this back work. You need all of these studies, all these things. And so then after that, then you've got to come up with a strategy as to which demographic you're going to reach. You're going to reach those 25 um, and older group that's got kids. You've got to come up with a strategy. What do you need to have? You need to have Barney walk in the hallways and uh, all these different things and all these crazy stuffs. And you just got to be great. You've got to have uh, lifeguards and surfboards. And uh, you've got to wear your britches and spike your hair and no socks. And uh, just all these different things. I heard Junior Hill say in a conference one day, he says he's listening to them gurus one day, and those gurus told him in order for him to see more people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, what he needed to do was to just wear blue shirts. Because if he wore blue shirts, people are attracted to blue. And, and if he'll just preach in a blue shirt, people will come to Jesus Christ. Isn't this preposterous? We'll try everything in the world to try to get a crowd. And by the way, if there's a church that can get a crowd, Maysville Baptist Church can get a crowd. Well, we know how to get a crowd. All you got to do to get a crowd is serve them food and give a bunch of stuff away. I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth. We can get four or 5,000 people show up in a, in a, in a big room if we'll, just, if we'll just feed them and give some stuff away. But listen to me very carefully. God's not looking to bless a big crowd for big crowd's sake. God wants to bless a church. And brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I honestly believe with all my heart the reason why God's hands upon us and the reason why God has blessed us the way that he has is because we want to do it God's way and not some guru's way. And so when you read our text, we see a beautiful example of an impressive church growth strategy. From a small group of persecuted refugees, the church at Antioch saw a large number of people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. As a matter of fact, three times Luke underscores the large numbers. Did you see it? It was in verse 21, again in verse 24, and then again in verse number 26. But the reason this church experienced such remarkable growth was not that the leaders employed or implored or gave out, if you would, some new church growth principle. They didn't study the demographics of Antioch. Uh, they didn't come up with some strategy to market to a specific uh, demographic. Rather, the reason for the growth is very simple. It's found in verse number 21. Look at what the Bible says. And the hand of the Lord was with them. You want to know the strategy for church growth? You get God's hand on the church. When God puts his hand on a congregation, when God puts his hand on a church, then there's nothing that church won't do that God's blessings won't be on it. And so we see the hand of God was upon this church. And as the hand of God was upon this church, we as a church body here in the 21st century living in 2021, that should be our aim. That should be our goal, that the hand of God would be upon this congregation. The church that God blesses is a church where God's hand is simply placed upon that 
And we see the principles that are applied here to know whether or not if God's hand is upon the congregation. What are those things? Why? Why is it important? Well, it's important to understand these principles, first of all, because we know that uh, uh, just following church growth principles, they can grow a large crowd. And God doesn't necessarily uh, bless numeric numbers. It could be a curse and not a blessing. So we want God's blessing on this growing church. We want God's blessing through this uh, environment of a pandemic. God, what do we need to do to keep your hand upon us? And here we find five simple things. Let me give them to you this morning. And I hope it will be a blessing to you. And here's my challenge at the beginning. If we look at these five things, it is our responsibility once again to place ourselves under the Word of God and say, God, is this me? Is this what I'm doing? Is this who I am? And if it's not, then we repent of our sins individually and we start practicing and implementing what it is God's called us to do. All right, number one, here, here we go. The things, that, uh, the things that God does or blesses, when God blesses a church, here are the things that the individuals are doing. Number one, the first one, the church that God blesses is the church where every member is a missionary. Every member is a missionary. Look at what the Bible says again in verse number 19 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And some of them were of men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. Now let me stop right there. If you have your pens, I would underline or highlight the word spake. You see that? They spake unto the Grecians. This word speak is very, very important. When you look at this passage of Scripture, you see the founding and the, and the purpose of the church of Antioch is arguably probably one of the most significant events in the history of Western civilization. Why? Because it led to the distinctiveness of the Christian church apart from the Jewish synagogue. In this passage of Scripture, we see that it is blended together both in one body, Jews and Gentiles. These Jews and Gentiles were coming together. And it was here that we see these followers of Jesus Christ are called the first Christians. From Antioch, the church launched the very first mission trip to Europe. You and I conceivably, when you think about it, would not be Christians today had it not been for God blessing this congregation. And the way God blessed this congregation is the remarkable way that it started. It was not funded by the apostles or pastors or even trained missionaries. Rather, some unnamed men who were scattered because of the persecution of Stephen started talking about what God was doing. And because of those talks, because of those communications, the church began right there at Antioch. Again, I call your attention to the word spake. The word spake there in the Greek means normal conversation. There was no apostle here. There was no trained pastor here. There was no trained missionary here. These were normal, average, everyday, born-again children of God. They were individuals just like ourselves, just like you. Now, I've been to seminary. A couple of us here in this congregation have been to seminary, but not everybody. A majority of the people here at Maysville Baptist Church have not been to seminary. You've just been faithful to hear the preaching of the Word of God from this pulpit week in and week out for years and years.
years and years. And the extent of your spiritual growth is what you've experienced personally with the Lord Jesus Christ and what you've heard your pastor expound uh, to you uh, in regards to expounding the Word of God. And so with that thought in mind, here we see these individuals heard what God had done. They went out after the persecution of Stephen and proclaimed just by simple conversation what God was doing. I wish I had a dollar for every time somebody stopped me and said, hey, are you Shane Robertson, the pastor at Maysville Baptist Church? And I'd say, yes. And they'd say, I was talking to one of your members. And I said, well, I hope it was a good talk. And he said, oh, it's excellent. We can't believe what God is doing out there in Maysville. And it sparked an interest. As a matter of fact, many of you are here today because someone invited you. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, nobody will come to Maysville unless there's a personal invitation. We have to personally invite others to come and be a part of what God's doing here in our congregation. And we find that's exactly what was happening in Antioch. These individuals spake under the Grecians. They just talked about what God was doing in their local body of believers. And as they began to do so, more and more people began to come. More and more people began to say, I want to know what's going on there. I want to see what's happening there. And so they tune in, whether it be by video, whether it be by listening by radio, whether it be by podcast, or showing up personally and saying, what is going on at Maysville? I can assure you, it's not the preacher, it's the principal peace and the word of God that's making a difference in the life of our community in the life of our church in the life of our of where we're located God is moving in a great way last week a little girl come up and uh, with her mom and dad sat and sat right back there in the green room she said I gave my heart to Jesus I want to be baptized oh brothers and sisters every member needs to be a missionary We find not only here do we see that every member needs to be a missionary, uh, we also see number two, the church that God blesses is a church where the gospel is proclaimed. Look at what the Bible says again. The Bible says, continuing on in verse number 20 in the latter part, he says, not only did they spake unto the Grecians, but they were preaching the Lord Jesus. In verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, to understand our text, you need to know something about what's going on here in Antioch. Antioch is located 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Behind Rome and Alexandria, having more than 500,000 residents... It was a center of commerce and the crossroads of travel between trade between Europe and the Orient. This made the city a melting pot for various races, including the Romans. The local, uh, the local Samaritans that were there were a part of what was going on, as well as Jews and many, many others. The city of Antioch was known, listen to this, was known for its sexual immorality. Five miles outside of town was what was called the Grove of Daphne. There were worshipers, and you could go and you could worship Artemis and Apollo, and you pursued that religion through temple prostitutes. It was prevalent in the city of Antioch. It was absolutely a disaster. I mean, there was hedonism all around. 
There was no holiness. There was no righteousness. But when those Christians came walking into town and began to talk with the citizens there of Antioch, all of a sudden they began to give their hearts to Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, the normal conversation turns to a natural proclamation. And they go from speaking to the Grecians to preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, many, a great number of them, believed and turned to the Lord. Antioch was so bad. The Roman writer Juvenal criticized the moral pollution of Rome by saying this. He said that the sewage of the river that flew through Antioch had for too long been discharged into the timber that is through the flow of Rome. What he's saying here is that because of the corruption of Antioch, it has polluted Rome. Antioch was so bad that the river that ran through it carried the moral pollution that ended up in Rome. It was an awful place. And brothers and sisters, the significance is just simply this. When God picked a city that would become the center for missionary endeavors, he, he picked a cosmopolitan, morally corrupt city like Antioch. In this secular pagan environment, common Christians began telling the simple gospel that Jesus saves. And as they received the gospel of Jesus Christ, they in turn proclaimed the gospel to others and a revival took place. What does our nation need more than anything? A revival. And how's that revival going to take place? By your average, everyday Christian just telling people about what Jesus is doing in your life and in the life of your church. And people are attracted to that. Why? Because we're looking for truth. And we find here that the end of verse number 20, the Bible says just simply this, as they spoke unto the Grecians, the preaching of the Lord Jesus and the hand of the Lord was on them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord if we want to see people turn to the Lord we all have to be a missionary I'll never forget uh, growing up Bailey Smith come to our church our home church and as he came to our home church we, we were running I don't know 200 250 in Sunday school and, and I was just a, I mean I just I was saved at 14 I I, I, I answered the call when I was 19. I uh, went to Bible school in 1995. and um, I, I was still in my church there at uh, White's Chapel. And, uh, but we used to have Bailey Smith and a lot of other fine, fine men of God come and preach the Word of God. And I'll never forget on this particular occasion. Uh, I remember Bailey standing up there and saying, Look, he said, I'm telling you, this church is poised to reach a thousand people for the gospel of Jesus Christ right here in the country. Now, we're, we're in North Gadsden. I mean, in the middle, we're in the middle of nowhere. You can't find the church unless you want to get lost. I mean, we're at the corner of Edwardsville and Thackerville. I mean, there ain't nothing out there except Edwards and Thackers. I mean, that is it where we were at. And, and people were coming, and they were coming to hear just much like here at Maysville Baptist Church. And he simply said this. He said, look, if, if y'all want to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then here's what you got to do. you got to love God with all your heart. you got to take the Great Commission seriously and get out there and share the gospel. And number three, you've got to be intentional in reaching people for Jesus Christ. You know what he was saying that day? Bailey Smith, he's with the Lord now. 
Baby Smith was just simply saying this. You need to love God, love others, and serve the world. When I came to Maysville Baptist Church, I was so tickled that this was the goal of this church. To love God, love others, and serve the world. Because that is the key ingredients according to the Word of God in order to see people come to know Christ as Savior and to grow a solid foundational church based upon the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But you know what happened at my home church? We started listening to the gurus out there in California. You know what they were saying, Barry? They were saying what you need to do is you need to get your, your skinny jeans on, with, put your shoes on with no socks and spike your hair up. And, and you need to get a couple of tattoos and earrings. Be, here was the word. You need to be relevant. Be relevant. And we tried that. And might I say it, we struggled. It was a struggle. Why? Because there's really only one thing relevant. Now look, again, I can be relevant. We can draw a crowd. We know we can do that here at Maysville. But true relevance doesn't come with what you wear. True relevance comes with what's in your heart. And this is what's relevant. This hadn't changed. And you see, we're living in a culture today, and we're living in a, in a uh, season today in our lives and through the course of our culture where, where we say, well, the Word of God's not relevant anymore. And since the 60s, we've been removing God from here and there and everywhere. And we wonder, here's the thing that puzzles me. We wonder, and we ask ourselves the question, why is God allowing such evil in our nation today? Brothers and sisters, do you understand that God has given us a free will? He's not made us robots. The question that we wrestle with is, what are we going to do with Jesus Christ? Well, we made that decision in the 60s and before. We said, we're smarter than this. So we took God out of schools. We took prayer out of school. Took the Ten Commandments down. Took the commandments out of the courthouse. And we wonder, why is God allowing such wickedness in our nation? I'm telling you why he's allowing it. We went that direction. And the judgment of God is falling upon us today. And the answer is simple. How do we get back? We repent. When we come to know Christ. I'm telling you, the harvest is ripe. We are sitting in a situation much like Antioch. But here's what we need. Every member to be a missionary. Number two, we need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've had these individuals call me throughout the course of, of the years. And they say, hey, what are y'all doing out there? What in the world's going on out there at Maysville Baptist Church? I, I don't understand. What is going on? How are, why are people getting saved on Sunday? What's taking place? How are you doing it, preacher? I said, well, let me answer your question with a question. Do you give a personal invitation at the end of every message? Well, no, I don't do that. We, we were told not to do that. That offends people. Well, there's your problem. You see, the Bible tells us that the gospel is offensive. And we don't want to offend anybody. We just want everybody to be okay. Could I just say this? You're not okay. Everything's not okay. The judgment of God is falling upon the United States. And by the way, the Bible says it's appointed a man once to die. And after that, the judgment. You see, there's something worse coming. And what's worse is standing before a holy and righteous God without Jesus Christ. And him saying, why should I let you into my heaven? He said, well, I've been a good person. I hadn't offended anybody. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
You can't get to heaven on your mom's religion. You can't get to heaven on your grandfather's religion. You can't get to heaven by walking an aisle and signing a piece of paper. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that God blesses the church that gives a gospel proclamation and a gospel invitation. I'll never forget, we gave an invitation one day, and there was a sweet, dear church member back there. wouldn't embarrass her to save her life. She was out there back in the very back. She got so full of the Holy Spirit of God, and God was moving in her life. She was under such conviction. She said, I can't wait. i got to get saved. She kicked the chair out in the aisle and ran down front, gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ, and said, I need to be saved. That's what we need in America today, to run to Jesus. Well, I'm scared. It might... It might offend somebody if I, if I run down that aisle, run to Jesus. Bless God, there's only one person you've got to please, and that's God. Number three. Here's the third one. I've got to hurry. My time is getting away. Oh, my goodness. Number three. The church that God blesses is the church. Listen, here's, this, get this. Don't miss it. Is the church where grace, not legalism, fills the body of Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says. I'm just showing you what the Scripture says. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 22. Then, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem. So the Jewish church in Jerusalem says, what's going on over there? Them Jews and, and Gentiles, they're getting together. There's a church starting over there. What is happening? And the Scripture says, they sent Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch who, when he came, had seen the grace of God. The Bible didn't say he saw the legalism in the church. He didn't see the church kicking people when they were down. He saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted, the Bible says, them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. According to the Word of God, the Bible says that when Barnabas got there, he witnessed the grace of God. You can't see the grace of God, but you can see the effects of the grace of God. And when you look at the church of Jesus Christ, and this is what we look at when we look at the church. When we look at Maysville, do we see the grace of God? When we look in the church, we ought to see drug addicts that have come to know Christ as Savior. We ought to see people that struggle with, with things in their life who have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. We, we're not looking for perfect people because there's no perfect people. Nobody in this place is perfect. We've all had contentions in our life. We've all had difficulties in our life. We've all struggled in our life. But thank God for his grace. Grace. We see that Barnabas saw this grace and the Bible says he rejoiced. He was praising God. It, it, the, it, there seems to be an air uh, in the Jerusalem church that uh, he's sending them out. He's sending Barnabas. They're sending Barnabas out. Investigate this because something doesn't seem right. They're, they're probably not following the rules right. Uh, they're probably not following what they need to be following. And so Barnabas gets over there, who, by the way, is, is the son of encouragement. And he says, you know what? I praise God because I'm seeing a lot of people that were lost and now they're saved. And now they're praising God. And he saw the grace of God and he rejoiced. If the apostles had sent a legalistic member of the circumcision party, he might have seen something else and had a different response. Now they, ain't, they ain't following the Lord like they should. They're not giving like they should. They're not proclaiming like they should. They're not wearing their belts when they come to church. Or the women's not wearing dresses. The preacher's hair's too long. 
They're not all wearing ties. I heard Vance Pittman, uh, he was a pastor um, in Memphis, Tennessee. And Vance Pittman, uh, God called him and, and several others to start a church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good grief, can you believe that? Can you imagine? Las Vegas, Nevada. 2001, God called him. You go on their website, the church is Hope, is Hope Church, Hope Church in Las Vegas. It's a Southern Baptist church. And uh, he said, when he gives testimony, he said, well, the first time they got started, he said, they're going door to door, they're witnessing to people. And this, he wins this man to Christ. This man, he witnessed to him for several weeks. He finally trusts Jesus Christ. Man, the man surrenders for baptism, says, I want to I be baptized. Vance Pittman says, look, he says, I'm telling you, the ministry in Las Vegas is messy. Messy, he said. He said, win this guy to Jesus Christ. And he says, we get him in the baptismal pool. We get him, we baptize him. He says, after we're done baptizing, he says, he hugs my neck and he says, Pastor, I got something for you, but it's in the car. Can you stop by the car after church? We'll give it to you. And Vance Pittman says, yeah, I'll be glad to do that. So after church, sure enough, he got done. Guy's Bible was walking to his car. He goes to this man's car. This guy says, it's in the trunk. Let me get it for you, preacher. He pops the trunk. The trunk, the trunk comes up, and what's back there is a case of liquor. And he hands it to the preacher. He says, thank you for sharing Jesus with me. Vance says his eye was, was as big as half dollars. The man says, oh, I, I don't guess I was supposed to give this to you. What was I, was I preacher? And Vance knew right then and there, he, he, reckoned, he says, Brother, I know you, you were lost and now you're saved and, and you, you, you're growing in your faith. Thank you. This, heart came, this gift came from your heart. Vance said he took it and he went and he poured it all out. He poured it all out. Continued to disciple the man. And he got free from alcoholism. Last week I shared with you an illustration of one of our, one of our church members who gave me permission to share his story. How Eric DeWitt got saved in 1988, but for a solid year, he too struggled with alcohol. I don't know what it is about us as born-again children of God, especially Southern Baptists. We think that when you get saved, that everything clears up and you think straight, and you're just a, you're a theologian from that moment forth. Man, I'm telling you, there's some things that people struggle with. Even up to a year by the testimony of Eric DeWitt, he said, Pastor, it took me a solid year to get victory over my alcohol. But we as born-again children of God live in such a culture today that as Christians, we kick them when they're down. You ought to know better. No, brothers and sisters, listen. We need a church where grace and not legalism fills the body. We got churches out there today that, man, they kick people out for this, that, and the other, not even giving them an opportunity to repent. When we go to 2 Corinthians and we find the man that was caught up in adultery and, and the church said, you need to let him go. You need to send him off. Let him go outside the church. In 2 Corinthians, they come back and he says, that man is now repented. You need to let, make sure you bring him into the fold and love him because grace has been shown true in his life. Rather than focusing on imperfections and problems, Barnabas looked at what was going on in this congregation. He began to glorify God. A similar thing happened to me several years ago. and I may have shared this, but bid me just a moment to share it once again because it will help somebody. An individual got saved. and uh, Man, I was so excited about his life. Surrendered for baptism. Got baptized. I mean, growing in his faith. Uh, we were in 1.3 million dollars worth of debt and our focus was trying to get it paid off and we're focusing on getting that debt paid off and 
I had preached and I had shared that God's going to provide everything that we need. All we need to do is be faithful and keep serving the Lord, keep sharing the gospel, keep being graceful towards one another. I mean, we just need to keep the main thing the main thing. After the service, I was standing back at the back. I was shaking hands, and they were filing through. Uh, and I was shaking, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, oh, I love you. Thank you. Good to see you. And this man that just got saved and baptized come walking through. And he come by, and he said, preacher. He shook my hand. He hugged me. He's a big guy. I mean, just crushed me with a hug. He said, preacher, thank you for that message. He said, I'm going to tell you right now. If I hit this right here, and he opened up his chest pocket, and there was a lottery ticket hanging out of his vest. If I hit this right here, I'm going to pay the church off. My eyes were as big as half dollars. I looked at him, and I looked at that thing and looked up at him, and he said, I wasn't supposed to buy that, was I? I said, well, brother, bless God, you already bought it. Let's pray you win it. That's been in the devil's hands long enough. Now, listen to me very carefully. Listen to me. How many times we'd say, shame on you. You should have never done that. You should have never bought that ticket. Oh, listen to me, brothers and sisters. He's a baby in Christ. He needs encouragement and help. He said, thank you, pastor, for not condemning me. I'm not going to do it again. I want to please the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we need a church. If God's going to bless our church, we need a church where grace and not legalism fills this body. Number four. Very quickly and I close. According to the word of God, the Bible says the kind of church that God blesses is a church where God, where godly leaders set the example. A church where godly leaders set the example. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 24. The Bible says, for he, this is talking about Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. Now, look at what the Scripture says in verse 25 and 26. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year as they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now I want you to see something that happens here. Here we see focus on the first, the first church leader here. Now remember, this church was started by disciples, not by any evangelist, not by a church planner. Disciples of Jesus Christ started this church first by telling others, just talking about Jesus, and then that naturally came into the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They got saved, started meeting in homes, Jews and Gentiles all together worshiping the same God. Then all of a sudden we find here in the text, the church at Jerusalem who's upset about it sends somebody to the church. He gets to the church and he says, praise God, these people are really getting saved and, and God is bringing the nations to himself. And he stays with them. And he exercises his goodness, that is his righteousness, his righteousness as a church leader, and stays full of the Holy Ghost. He says, we got to focus on, we need to keep focusing on what we're focusing on. Loving God, loving others, serving the world. And he says, he's full of faith. By faith, God is going to help us through. Then Barnabas obviously comes to a point in his life where he says, I need some help. And he goes and he gets... Paul, or Saul, who is in Tarsus. And he brings him back, and he says, I need your help. And as two leaders of this church, for a solid year, 
They help the church grow in grace and in faith. Brothers and sisters, it's very obvious, I can't do it all. David can't do it all. We need pastors like Pastor Justin to help in our youth ministry. We need pastors like Pastor Jacob to help in our family area ministry with our, with our children. We need pastors uh, like Pastor Chris to help with our college and in our in-home small group meetings. Why? Because your leaders can't do it all. And your leaders will develop, if you would, the ministry and the heart of the senior pastor. And I hope that you've seen through the years as these men of God have come on to help me serve and to help serve you. That they have a heart and a passion for godliness and holiness. And they're full of the Holy Ghost and they're full of faith. And they say, we can accomplish what." Whatever we put our hearts to, as long as we're lining up with the Word of God. God blesses a church where godly leaders set the example. And then number five, here's the final one, and I close today. The kind of church that God blesses is the church where its members are devoted to giving. I want you to see what happens here in verses 27 through 30. The Bible tells us here in verse 27, And in these days there came prophets from Jerusalem into Antioch. Now these prophets are saved. Okay? These are saved. The word prophets there are proclaimers. They're proclaiming things that are happening around the city. And there stood up one of them named Agabus. Agabus stands up and signifies by the Spirit that there should be a great drought throughout all the world. Which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So he says, there's coming a drought. Things don't look good in our culture today. Much like what's happening today. Doesn't look good in our culture. And so he goes on to say in verse 29, Then the disciples, the disciples, that's key, the disciples, every man according to his ability, that's financial, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt at Judea, for which also they did. And sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So get, get the picture here. Agabus stands up and says there's a drought coming and it's going to affect everybody. This, this metropolitan city where all the commerce was and the economy was booming. These church individuals that were working, these Christians that were working in that environment. Came to church and said, you know what? This famine that's going on in our world is affecting everybody except for us because we, we're at the hub. I mean, we're going to Europe and we're going to the Orient. I mean, we, we are, we, we're blessed. And so our desire is to just not be blessed but to be a blessing to others. And so they said, let's take up an offering and let's help the church at Jerusalem. Do you remember what happened at Jerusalem, David? What happened at Jerusalem is they were scratching their head going, we don't want them dogs to come into the fold. And the church at Antioch says, God has called us to be a blessing to others. And so as an example of showing grace, their generous giving in the church turned around and helped the church at Jerusalem. I want to share this with you, church. This is a desire of my heart. We are at $350,000 in our debt. It's gone down so amazingly through your faithful giving. And we've just had one, I've been beating one drum. Let's just be faithful. Let's just be faithful. God's going to provide. He's got everything we need right here. Let's just be faithful. And God has showed himself faithful to us. 
On average, by the end of the course of this year, just by regularly paying our note, it looks like that um, that's going to pay off about $180,000. We're at three fifty. We honestly, we can make up the rest. We can make up the rest in one year if you'll keep being faithful and doing what you're doing. And then after that is eliminated, I would love for us to come alongside and to help some churches that are struggling. Some godly churches, some churches that love the Lord, but because of the pandemic, they're suffering. And unless we come during this season of famine, they may not make it. If the 21st century, if Maisel Baptist Church is going to be the kind of church that God blesses, when we get this stone out from around our neck called debt, we ought to reach the four corners of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and helping churches reach people for Jesus Christ. The kind of church that God blesses are churches where members are devoted to giving. According to the Word of God, the Bible says this. These individuals gave according to their ability. They just simply looked at their finances and they said, God, you've blessed us. And because you've blessed us, we want to be a blessing to others. This church, Maysville Baptist Church, and I'm closing up. I'm, I need to, I'm wrapping up. Maysville Baptist Church is no stranger to this philosophy. There are people sitting in this room right now who when, we, when the first stimulus check came out, you called me on the telephone and you said, Pastor, I don't need this stimulus money. I want to help somebody else. And it was more than just one, several of you. So we created an account in our, in our line items called the silo. And we put those funds in the silo to come alongside other businesses that are suffering. One of the individuals that we were able to help was a church member that uh, owns her own cleaning business. We asked her to come by the church and she came by the church and we blessed her with a silo check that you were able to give her. On, this, is, this is on top of everything else you're doing. Tears began to roll down her cheeks, and she just simply said this. She says, I've been paying my employees, and I hadn't been taking anything. And because of your gift, you you're made it available where I can pay my bills this week. And they hadn't said a word, and never would. And that's the great thing about the church and the silo account. You're able to bless others that wouldn't normally ask for any help at all. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, you were to be commended, church. On giving by your ability. But I want to take it a step further. I don't want to say just about your financial ability. I want to talk about also your talent and your time. Because in order for the church to do what the church is called to do. We got to be giving not only of our treasure. But we need to give our time. And we also need to give our talent. There are some of you that are in here that are gifted in the area of teaching. Some of you are gifted uh, in the area of administration. Some of you are gifted in the area of hospitality. On the 7th of this month, 
we had one of our dear workers, Miss Louette Fisher, who's watching today. Louette, I love you. God bless you. She's been a faithful servant here at Maysville, working on a, the part-time shift here as a receptionist, answering the phone. She retired this past week. But we need others to volunteer, to pick up Miss Louette's slack, and to come alongside and to help minister to the body of Jesus Christ. See, God may be giving you just a, a sweet voice to say, Welcome to Maysville Baptist Church. How can I help you? Brothers and sisters, God has called each and every one of us to be a blessing. It is no mistake. There's no mistake in the fact that God has us alive right now at this time. God wants to use this church in this current political climate to brag on one person. That's Jesus Christ. And God will bless us if we continue to be a blessing to others. Would you join me as we pray? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you might be here today and you might be thinking about the message in terms of this. Pastor, when you said every member ought to be a missionary, that's not me. I need to get more involved. Now, I know we don't have a lot going on here at the church right now because of the pandemic, but you can get on the phone and call other members. You can be an encouragement on the phone, on the Facebook, on the Instagram, or whatever you use. You might be here today and say, Preacher, I, I'm scared to proclaim the gospel. Well, you can do like a friend of mine. A friend of mine, when a check, when a, when a bill comes in, they write a check and then they put a gospel track in the envelope and they mail that off with their payment. You can be that kind of witness. What about this one? Maybe you've suffered from legalism far too long. I've made it, uh, I've made it known. I've said it without apology. I'm a recovering independent Baptist. What I mean by that is I experience the grace of God. And dear friend, listen to me very carefully. God wants to show you grace too. Maybe you're here. Maybe the example in your family. You're not a leader in the church, but you're a leader in your family. Maybe that example hasn't been what it should. Or maybe you're giving in the area of your time, your talent, or your treasure. You haven't been doing that. Could I challenge you to get right with God today? And then more than anything, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today, would you do that today? Would you cry out to God and say this? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Savior. And today I repent of my sins. And I trust you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week 
where once again, we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.